It's been a big two weeks in music news, plus our guest, former Men at Work frontman Colin Hay, is with us to talk about his new album today on the Music Universe podcast. Oh, hey, man. How's it going? (laughs) Shut up. That was a facetious question because you're hysterically laughing because next week, you know, we're going to be live from Nashville. I cannot wait. You can't help it. And then you do (laughs) sneaky little bastardy things that make me have to not help it. And then I got to jump on. So why don't you tell the listening audience what is planned as of now? So our guest today is Colin Hay, and he's here to promote now and the evermore. I have no clue what Buddy is talking about whatsoever. (laughs) Well, then I will tell them we will be live from Nashville as our first ever in-person coverage of an awards show. And it's the CMT Awards. We'll be on the red carpet to some extent and we'll be actually... Watching the show inside, and I don't know what kind of permissions we'll have as far as like live tweeting the um, the winners and performance clips and things like that. So um, that'll just be kind of a fly by the seam of our pants thing. But um, as this goes up on Friday before, we'll be leaving the next day, meeting in Nashville, and uh, go through a series of uh, events to actually show up on the red carpet. And then uh, throughout the week, we've got a few things that are coming together. But, uh, of course, we had to stay. I wasn't planning to do this at all. And then you did the ultimate thing that I decided I had to stay the whole week for as opposed to leaving midweek. I mean, it is spring break, so my daughter will be home with the pets. So there's not much really to worry about there. Both of Garth's Nashville shows will be attending. Yep, I'm looking forward to that. And what really pushed him over the edge. (laughs) We don't need to say this. (laughs) But you're going to, I know. What really pushed him over the edge, and we'll get into this after the interview, was I reached out for attending the press conference. We were very clear with Garth's PR team, hey, we've covered the show enough, but we want to talk to him about some of the things he's announced, the wrap-up of the tour, etc., and wanted to see if we could get in on his media availability when he has the press conference, since we'll be in town. And Buddy was like, you little bugger. It's not what he said, but <laughs> kind of rhymes with that a little bit. And <laughs> and uh, he was like, you, you just had, I said, he's like, now I will kill you if you get to interview him. I'm like, listen. Your choice not to come out here, but but you had legitimate reasons for not doing it. We'll get into that afterwards. I want to get to our interview for today, get that done, and then we kind of have a second half to this episode. We're going to talk about Taylor Hawkins passing. We're going to talk about some Eric Church controversy. Yes, Eric Church uh, controversy. And more uh, more Garth news that just came down the pipe. More Garth news. John Oliver eviscerated Ticketmaster in the same way we've been talking about for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of things we want to cover. But first, just to not keep you waiting, because I hate when podcasts do this and you got to shuffle through it. I want to talk about Colin Hay. Had the chance to see him in uh, D.C. here just the other day at the Lincoln Theater, which is a beautiful historic theater. A lot of stand-up comedians have filmed their Netflix specials at this theater. Oh, nice. Colin has toured, and it's put on by the Birchmere. Uh, which is a venue out in Alexandria, a small uh, venue that they serve food at, uh, kind of like Ram's Head on stage whenever I'm there. Uh, Birchmere is wonderful. They produce shows at the Lincoln, which is run by IMP Group, which has 930 Club, Meriwether Post Pavilion, the Anthem, a bunch of other venues. But Birchmere will go in there and produce shows if they think the demand for the show is going to outnumber their tables. And Colin is one of those guys because he's just such a legend, and he has new music called Now and the Evermore. Uh, The show showcased almost half of the album, uh, along with Colin's solo tracks and, of course, the three biggest Men at Work hits, Who Can It Be Now, Down Under, and, of course, Overkill, which Colin became known for as a solo performer, even though it's a Men at Work song, when he appeared on Scrubs and did about three episodes of Scrubs. Uh, appearing as a fictional version of himself. So we talk, he was very tired coming off the road, 
They had just got in from Long right. Island that afternoon. So we only speak for about 10 or 12 minutes, but this was a, a really cool conversation from the Lincoln Theater to talk about now in the Evermore. Here's Colin Hay. How are you, sir? I'm a little tired, to be honest. <laughs> well, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, the new album is great. It's just awesome. I was listening it, to it on the way up here. Tell me about the process of making Now and Evermore. Um, well, the same, the same process as I usually have, really. I was just, except I had more time because of the pandemic. So I have a studio in the basement. And um, so I had a bunch of ideas on my telephone. And then I write with a friend of mine who lives up the road from me, Michael Georgiatis. And so he would come over and he had a bunch of ideas and we would just work on songs and, and just piece them together. Um, sometimes I wrote by myself and sometimes I wrote with him. And, um, and then what it, what we would just, um, I would just call up um, musicians that I wanted, to, that I wanted to, to work with. Usually it was on drums, Greg Bissonette and Jimmy Yall on bass and then Gary West from Compass played some bass and Fred Cron played keyboards as a local guy in LA and just friends of mine really. And, um, and you know, the songs take shape like that and over a period of, over a period of a few months. It wasn't really, it didn't take that long. And then uh, Fred, my Fred Cron, he orchestrated. We had we thought that some of the tracks sound nice with um, with strings, so he orchestrated them for me and recorded the strings in, Nash in Nashville. But it was and mixed. Some was mixed in L.A. and some was mixed in Nashville. But it was primarily done downstairs in the in the, in the basement. Where were you over in Europe or here in the states? No, where I live. Yeah, I live in I live in Los Angeles. I've been li li I live in been living in Los Angeles for thirty two years or something. Did you record in twenty one or twenty when things were still were still a little hard to get together? It's a good question. It was um, it was that album was mainly um, it was mainly two thousand and twenty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but a lot of the tracks were were recorded pre pre pandemic. I think. Like, because I remember, I remember Greg Bissonette coming up, and it wasn't. Because when it shut down, I didn't have anybody come up for quite a long time, so I can't quite remember the, the the process of or the or the um, the scheme of things. But there was quite a quite a long period of time there where it was just no one was in the studio. But so it must have been. Uh, let me think now. The tour got shut down. Really, was at the start of the start of twenty, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't remember to be honest. Oh, exactly. It's just it's come together. It's beautiful. Um, now you're back on the road. When did you hit the road? Did you hit the road at the end of last year, or just twenty two? No, I just I just really started. Well, I played some shows late last year with the band, and. Um, but it wasn't what you'd call a tour, really. It was just a few dates. Um, mm -hmm. And then, uh, and, they all, and then we all got COVID. Mm. Um, so you've had it? Yeah, the whole band and crew, everybody got it. Oh and uh, around uh, Christmas, between Christmas and New Year. Um, so, so really, I've, I've really been on the road now just for the last uh, week and a half couple of weeks solo but this is a big year for touring um, because of not only the touring that you were going to do but the tour the tours that you didn't do <laughs> in um, 20 and 21 is it is it are you noticing the audiences are hungrier to yeah they're, out? they're pretty up for it yeah they're pretty up for for being entertained for sure but I have a very, I have a very good audience. I have a very loyal kind of, very, you know, my audience is kind of growing, and they tell other people, and it's just all word of mouth, pretty much. So uh, there was a certain level of excitement about it, and coupled with the fact that they haven't been out for a couple of years, so yeah, it's been, been good. I know you are, you do full band shows, and you're also known for your beautiful acoustic work. What, what do you love about just being on stage? 
yourself like we're going to see you tonight here at the Lincoln Theater? Well, it's kind of my natural game, really, I suppose. Mm -hmm. It's what I started to do when I was about 14 or something like that. 14, 15, I started playing by myself just in small little folk clubs in Melbourne. So that seems like the, my default way to perform. But I love playing with a band as well. But um, I guess being by yourself is just a challenge of, of filling up the space just with a voice and guitar and having, having that be enough, you know, figuring out a way to make that work, you know, mm -hmm. so that people don't leave. <laughs> Getting back to the album, uh, it's such a generic question, but listening to the, the beautiful lyrics on the songs, I'm curious, what inspires you when you write? What do you, where does a song start for you? Um, well, it, it varies. Sometimes it's a musical idea, just a little, um, something that triggers. It, it, it's all, it's all kind of working together. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you feel like you're, you're just pulling songs out of the air, like they, are, they arrive if you're in a particular place and time. And then sometimes it comes from a lyrical idea. Sometimes it just comes from a, from an idea like a, um, you know, a title, and and and, a, and, a, and a, an idea about something which is worth following. You know, you you get, you get something pops into your head, and and you, it, it um, it just sits there for a while. So you just kind of follow it. You know, follow it, follow it to it to to where it leads you. Um, trying to think of an example. I mean, with Michael, uh, the guy that I co-write with, it's more of a traditional process of he would come around and we would, he would have maybe a musical idea and, and one word or a title and then we would go from there. Mm -hmm. And we would kind of really, just kind of wrestle it to the ground until it was done. Did you do that thing, we ask all the songwriters this, do you try to do that Zoom writing thing or is that just not, do you have to be in the same room with him? Oh, no. Uh, with Michael, we, we did all the writing before the pandemic really, really right. closed everything down. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have come near me. He's still, <laughs> he's still isolated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But I haven't done any of that Zoom writing, no. Uh, but I don't really write with him. I only write with him. I don't really write with, with anyone else, really. No. Not for any particular reason, but he's just kind of my... Seems to be my songwriting... Speaking of songwriting, if I could ask about one of my favorites of your hits uh, from the Men at Work days, Overkill. And I have to say, I like your acoustic version probably the best. I know it from Scrubs, of all things, uh, and that's how I found your work. Do you find that, that audiences love the hits as much as they love the new stuff and, and want to hear stuff going all the way back to the Men at Work days? Yeah, they do. I mean, they're they're big songs, so you can't ignore big songs, and they're always they're always you know important songs to do. But I'm lucky because a lot of people that come to see me, they want the new songs, so it all works well. You know, I think it would be a little bit glum, you know, if I just had like five or six hits to kind of way and that that was all people were interested in you know yeah. I mean there's nothing wrong with that per se because if you have to put food on the table then you can go okay well I'm going to go out and tour and play those hits but but it's not particularly um, not particularly interesting to me you know it's mm -hmm. I'd much rather they had the, co the context of having a lot of a lot of different songs that people like and then I just play stuff that I like and people's people are very accepting of that you know so is there a is there a set list for something like this tonight? Yeah, or do you just go there's by a, the no. Uh, there's a set list. I, I started off with I started off with a lot of songs, which which is what usually happens when I start a tour. Mm -hmm. I start off with a lot of songs, and then and then a set list kind of presents itself. Yeah, I just find myself kind of going, oh, that works well doing that, and then that works well going from that one to that one, and then it just kind of it seems to develop a, a bit of a flow. And as we're seeing here, there's a lot of tech and stuff that goes into just a, a solo show. We're, watch, we're sitting here in the theater watching 
your crew get set up for you. That, that looks amazing. How much can you do, how much variety do you have at your fingertips in this setup that we're looking at? Well, it's just guitar and voice, but I just have guitar and there's a few effects, but it's pretty basic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a mic, it's a couple of mics on an acoustic guitar and I have a little DI and I have some some uh, some delays. A few, I have a delay and a you know a little couple of little pedals that I that I that I push. But it's pretty much just guitar and voice. I love it. Well, I cannot wait for the show tonight. I'm really really excited. All right. I know you just got in and uh, you get set up here, so I will let you get going. Yeah, it's been going. It's been going really well. It's very it's very um, it's very rewarding. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad well, you like the record. Appreciate that. Well, I, I love it, and congratulations on it. How has the uh, how has the reception been? I know it's only been out about twelve days. Yeah, very good. A lot of people they love the vinyl. You know, the vinyl yeah. seems to be people's favorite. And uh, does that surprise you? Going back, a little bit. Going back uh, to vinyl? a little bit, a little bit, but 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 not really. You know, it's it's uh, it's just there's more. You know, there's more to kind of more to digest. You know, so I don't know whether people play them. <laughs> but they buy them. <laughs> yeah, well, play them, get yeah. the digital on iTunes, and that's right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. Colin A, I cannot wait for tonight. Thank okay. You. you know what's cool is Colin actually shared um, a quote and the link on Instagram and tagged us uh, with a photo. So. Oh, cool. um, that's uh, that's pretty cool that uh, he, he did that. And I always love when they do that. Um, you just never know who may do that. But it's really cool when they share it because uh, it shows that they really appreciate the uh, coverage. I love it, too. And and I, I, I had a fan reach out after he shared it and said, you said trumpet when you meant saxophone. And I was like, oh, I'm like, no, that's not possible. I wrote saxophone. Look back. I said, yes, I did. I said, you're right. I said, sorry about that. And I had you fix it. I don't log into yeah. the site and screw the back end is your baby, so I don't go in there and screw around with it. And because well, uh, I don't let anybody, I've been able to log in sometimes, but I lose the password constantly. And it's better just to send it to you because you have the style of the way you like the the things. Like we were talking about this, right? We were talking about this today. There are so many artists now that capitalize their name. Mm -hmm. uh, and speaking of Nashville, Breland uh, is going to be performing a, a special show at the Ryman Auditorium with a bunch of special guests. And I said, so when I talk about him, do I have to say, uh, and with special guests, here's Breland. You know, <laughs> you know, now coming to the stage is Breland. And soon after that, it'll be Lanco. It just. <laughs> and Hauser. And Hauser. And LL Cool J. LL Cool J. Which I've never seen. You talk about LL Cool J. I've never seen it stylized like that whatsoever. I've never seen that. So you know my my style of writing. I don't like that. I, right. I, I don't. I just don't like it. And there's very very few I'll do it. Twice I wasn't even doing it for, and then it just started kind of making sense. Because to explain the explain the jokes for the for the older folks who might be listening. I almost said boomers, but I don't mean this as a, as a sarcastic right. thing. To literally explain this, when you capitalize something in text, that is to indicate shouting. Non-capitalizing, mm -hmm. but having exclamation, that just, that just indicates excitement. So, you know, to be reading this sentence and then all of a sudden have BRILLIANT in all caps <laughs> is just, is just, it's distracting. I mean, respect right. to the name, respect to the artistry, but there's also certain grammatical and styles of writing that don't just don't permit for that. Right. And I, I get hit up a lot uh, more so lately as we're recording this than ever yeah. to correct that. And uh, I've, I've just stopped. I'm going to be honest. I've stopped responding because it's our style. Right. I, I don't do that style. I, I don't follow some of what, you know, everybody has their own style. Every site has its own, you know, I don't follow any specific writing guidelines. I, do what I think looks best and you know you either read it or or you don't but to to think everybody's going to sit there and cover everybody the exact same way is just not the way it's going to happen so um he announced Breland announced Breland and Friends benefit concert for the Oasis Center it'll be held at Nashville's Ryman Auditorium on April 12th 
and we're going to get to more of the Nashville trip here in a minute, um, one day after the CMT Awards that we're going to be covering. So um, I don't know if we're going to be able to cover this. Um, we'll see. We're going to see what we can do, you know. Some things are last minute, and some things they want planned months out for media uh, coverage. And, sure. you know, our trip just came up because as we're recording this it, week, this week mm-hmm. we got approved, which was the week before the show, the, the so, CMT Awards. I'm so excited. I just, I, I, I love it. I love it. You were going to come out, uh, but we were looking at the flights, and the flights were ridiculous. Yeah. And I I chalked that up to a few things. Number one, it's spring break. So things are always more expensive over big vacation time. Number Mm -hmm. two, it's Easter weekend, and we are talking about sort of the top of the Bible belt down there. So Easter is a very important family holiday in in the South and Midwest. So people want to get to Tennessee, get to Alabama, get to all these different states that it's a really strong celebration in. Right. Number three, not to get political, but it's just a reality we're all dealing with. The the fuel prices squeeze. Everybody's feeling it, feeling it at the pump, feeling it at the at the uh, air terminal, uh, feeling mm-hmm. it at the train station. They're just there's with the stuff going on in Eastern Europe uh, and and Western Asia. We just we just have to deal with it for now if we're not going to do anything domestically about it and we have to deal with the prices. So all of those made what should have been a $600 flight over double for you. Yeah. Well, plus I refused to fly out of LA, even though I considered it, I considered it briefly. Here's the thing, guys, here's the thing. I've con- and and I've, leave your I've comment. Refused. Hang on. Email me, mm-hmm. Matt at the music Email him, buddy at the music Send us your comments because th- this is what I travel a lot, as you've heard on this podcast. I make him travel with me more and more, but me, yeah. I travel a lot. And so I know things that somebody who doesn't travel and doesn't care to look into it doesn't know. I, I understand the traffic, I understand the concerns, I get the driving thing is an issue for you. As it is, we're going back and forth on whether we need to rent a car for Europe or not because you don't like to drive. Uh, but well, not that I don't like to drive. I do like to be in control. I just want to enjoy the sights in a country right. I'll, I may never visit again, and I don't want to spend that arguing with you who doesn't know how to navigate worth a shit. Well, that's what Google Maps is for. <laughs> but I don't... But again, I, I understand that. I, I just want to enjoy my time... But we're, we're getting off subject, so continue anyway, with your rant that I'm going to shoot down here in about two seconds. So, avoiding the issues he wanted to avoid, it would have been half the price, friends, half the price to get, and more in line with what he would normally pay from Bakersfield to go to use LAX to get to Nashville. So, email me, Matt, at themusicuniverse.com. Who's right, who's wrong? Am I wrong for pestering him to it's go? Out? Preference. Well, sometimes well, it, you do it, what you got to. Let me let me tell you a story. Before we figured out that there was this bus to York, Pennsylvania, which is about halfway between my home near Kutztown, my parents' home near Kutztown, and my living in D.C., uh, I would take an Amtrak to to fill to Philly, and I to to Philly, and I hated it. I hated it with such because it was it was or I would take the Amtrak to Lancaster rather because I would have to get on the train from even Philly. I'd have to get on the train, be on there for four hours and then another two hours from Philly to get home. Or if I was going to Lancaster, I'd have to lay over in Philly after traveling for four hours. So a three hour drive became a, a five or six hour excursion that I just did. And you know me, I love road trips, but knowing that, you know, you're not doing the shortest distance between two points drove me nuts. So, so I understand where you're coming from, but this would have alleviated that. Well, no, because I have travel anxiety. You know that first and foremost. And two, it doesn't matter if I'm driving myself to LAX and back. It's... It's going to be longer to take a bus, and it's still traffic. It's still issues. Plus, with with the CMT Awards 
requirements for COVID testing, since we're on the red carpet, I have to still get that done before I leave. And I can't, right. I can't do that if, right. if I don't leave right. out of Bakersfield. So a lot of factors played into it. And I did, I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I highly considered it. I looked at Burbank. I looked, looked at LAX. I'm like, well, maybe I could do this, get a ride, blah, blah, blah. Cause I don't like, you know, you pay a hundred bucks for parking, depending on of course where you park at LAX and that, that adds up, you know, you're, yeah. you're paying a lot, but th- that my point was I, it's the convenience of flying from 20 minutes away. I get it. DCA is just over the bridge for me, not even yeah. 10 minutes away. So it doesn't matter if I'm behind the wheel. The fact is it was the drive. It's the traffic on a Saturday and just the timing of things. And mm-hmm. if I'm not where I need to be at a, by a certain time, my, I, I go, I go nuts. All and right. If I, yeah. So, th- so there we go. So we decide he's not coming. Then nah. we get, then we get approval, and <laughs> then I, I'm like, you should come out. I should, we should see if we can, if we can ask if we can come, if we can have you. If we can't, that's fine. Because initially we only applied for you. Right. And you were like no 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 i don't want to go i don't i'm not dying to go if i'm wanting to go you go but you were saying it in that very have a good time i'm sure you'll have fun well because i was and, just and when annoyed. i get the breath at the end of and when i get the breath at the end of his sentences i know he secretly wants in on it and i told him i said look i might push you to the brink on some of this shit but you started this site 3 years before my crazy ass showed up Okay, and now I'm the one who runs around doing all of this crap. You should have the chance to be a part of it, too. You should, you know, eat the cost and be a part of it, too. You'll make it back on ads on the site and you get right. to write it off on taxes. Stop it. You know, and I'm, I'm and you have other family considerations and I get that. But your family is also very supportive of what you do. So they understand. And your daughter was pushing you to go. So well, then I told her I stay in a week. She's like, ah. I'm like, oh, stop. It's spring break. You'll be fine. And she's got a friend that'll probably hang out with her here and they'll take care of the pets and hopefully not leave the uh, freezer open and thaw everything out like they did. And trust time. me, when I, you know, I I've, um, I, I was a tween once, too, and uh, I, I'm sure the time away from dad will be much appreciated in its well, own way. Yeah. And she'll I already told him, like, hey, I, I think the red carpet, we don't, you know, have like satellite or cable, everything's streaming here. So I'm like, I'm sure right. you'll be able to watch, you know, the red carpet online. And then, you know, we do have Paramount Plus and like you'll be able to flip uh, the show on, which will have already happened by the time it airs here. But um, we'll keep her updated. The show airs live. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Just the big. um like the uh, the Grammys and Oscars typically do, but not mm-hmm. uh, not the country shows. And uh, interesting m- that you usually. mention Grammys and Oscars, because let's get into it. Yeah. Hip-hop snubbed again at the Grammys. What do you think of that? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I didn't really follow everything. I started watching it just to kind of get a feel, because you've, you've made me obsessed with Vegas. And that's another rant for another time. But I, I wanted to see how they incorporated the Grammys into the city. So I watched it up to where BTS performed because the kid was wanting to see it and just happened to be on the phone with her friend that got her into it. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, R&B, you know, Silk Sonic were big winners. John Batiste was obviously a huge winner winning for, uh, of course, Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, Doja Cat, I just saw a clip where she won and um, just had to pee at the wrong time and said, I, it was the quickest piss I've ever had to take. <laughs> said that right on stage. Um, you know, one thing I, I did enjoy seeing or hearing about, because like I said, I didn't really watch it. Uh, the Foo Fighters swept the rock category, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But yep. uh, a lot more on the uh, R&B side of things and the pop side of things more than rap and obviously more than country. Now, they all have their own categories. I was surprised at how many different categories there are when I was looking on Google. There's like record art category there's non-classical yeah, i didn't computer. even list them all i i just put the complete list of winners can be viewed at grammy's website and then i listed a you know a, about a, two dozen of them there's just too many there's too many and they do most of them uh 
pre-ceremony. I know Brothers Osborne uh, won one, won their first ever Grammy at the pre-ceremony. Um, Carrie Underwood won for her gospel album, um, My Savior. And uh, she was up with uh, Jason Aldean for one of the uh, awards, but he said he wasn't going to attend because a lot of times they they rapid fire these things or they don't even televise them. So he's like, I'm not even going to attend. But, um, right. you know, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, tributes to uh, Taylor Hawkins of the the Foo Fighters during it. You know, uh, Billy Eilish mm -hmm. honored him by sporting a T-shirt with him, and uh, you know the band was supposed to play. And uh, after Taylor died on March 25th, they canceled that performance as well as their entire forthcoming tour. And uh, they did about a minute, uh, minute and a half tribute to him in place of where they would be playing on the show to the, mm -hmm. to their song, my hero. I don't know if you saw that tribute yet. I haven't yet, but you know, before we get into the Foo Fighters stuff, you talk about Jason Aldean and, and not going because of the way they do it, not on television. It really begs the question about the relevance of these Academy type award shows. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean, I mean the all category type award shows. I don't mean this country music association. I don't mean the Billboard Music Awards. I mean where there's a bunch of men in suits who think that they can be tastemakers in all the genres sitting around passing out gold trophies. Because look at what happened at the Oscars. And I'm not just talking about the slap. I'm talking about the the fact that Moonlight won Best Picture, but everybody thought it was La La Land. So when there was an envelope issue and they handed Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway the wrong envelope, and it clearly had Emma Stone's name on it for the double best actress envelope, the second backup there. They just said La La Land because they figured, oh, well, screwed up, but they mean La La Land. No, they meant Moonlight. They screwed up. And then the Kevin Hart hosting debacle, which uh, good for him for saying when they wanted him back, oh, nope, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And now this Will Smith thing, the, the telecast and the awards is are, are a joke now. Nobody cares, okay? And there was there was feelings about my film major is showing, and I know this, but there was controversy over whether Coda was too much of a feel-good lifetime type movie to win Best Picture, you know, hmm. as opposed to being something more artsy and more artistic. Right. I, and I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it because, you know, the Grammys, I'm sorry, the Grammys mean nothing. Nothing. Thing, okay, because mm -hmm. they don't take the fans into consideration. If they would, Weekend would win a whole lot more Grammys. Kanye would would be on that stage, love him or hate him. Hip hop would be more represented. Whether I listen to hip hop or not, that doesn't matter. Right. I'm just saying a popular genre would be more represented. Why? Why is this happening? Let me give you my analysis. Way back when, even as early as 2010, before subscription the subscription music model really came into focus, you needed these award shows to prop up the record sales because it meant more money. I read somewhere where Taylor Swift used to make a million dollars off of her Grammy win. Now it's just fifty thousand. Why is that? Well, the streaming pricing model is one, but yeah. number one, the it's back in our hands as fans. It didn't used to be. We used to rely on these bodies as tastemakers, like, oh, this won a whole bunch of awards. It must be really good. So I'm going to go spend $20 on a CD or $17.95 to go to the movie theater. Now, with subscription models, even in movie theaters, like I'm a Regal Unlimited member, I, everything is essentially a streaming model. Uh, for Regal, I just have to decide whether I want to walk the five blocks to see the movie. And usually I do. I'm usually itching to see a movie once a week. And there's something, based on the fact that I've already paid for the month, worth to, to just go and sit there for a couple of hours. Same right. with music. Okay? If I really like a particular song that I hear on TV or in a movie, I'm going to Shazam it. And then I'm going to add it to my list. I pay for Apple Music. And I pay nine bucks a month as opposed to $20 every time I want an album. So the choice is back in our hands. So the awards are nothing but industry, the industry glad handing itself. Last point before I let you talk. 
The reason I'm okay with the ACMs and the CMAs and the billboards getting away with it is those are music professionals. I understand the academy is 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 comprised of people in the business, but they all have their own agenda. And you could say that about the ACMs and the CMAs too, but they have categories that focus on the fans, like entertainer of the year, uh, out artist uh, fan pick of the year. We're going to the CMTs and that's all fan voted. For whatever reason, I don't have a problem if it's genre focused, but if you have a bunch of guys trying to give out awards for all the genres, it's going to get way too political. No, I get you. Back to your point about tastemakers. I will tell you, that's how the world, I believe, that's how the world was introduced to Chris Stapleton and he became a superstar. Right. Now he's an eight-time Grammy winner, thanks to the Grammys this year. I know when he performed with Justin Timberlake at the CMAs several years ago, that's when he blew up. I know I was out looking for his music the next day, too. And I do this stuff for a living. I, I write about people. But, you know, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again right now. I have a tendency to not give new artists a, a try, even if they're on, mostly if they're on a major label, because a lot of it's the same formulaic what I call bullshit mm -hmm. that's produced a lot alike and it just doesn't do anything for me. So I don't typically hit that play button. Now, lately I've been finding myself doing that because I do think that country especially is reverting more back to the traditional form of it. And after hearing Chris, you know, his music was like, his voice was like, Oh my God. And he was already winning awards before yeah. he really became popular. Now his tours sell out. So that that's a rarity there. But yes, I, I know exactly what you're saying. They, they try to cover too many genres to be all-inclusive, and then it just becomes blah. Just like the Rock Hall of Fame. I mean, I get what people are saying. You know, oh, well, it's rock and roll. It needs to just be rock artists. But I also get the other side. Well, Dolly Parton has done this. She's done that. You know, she has to not be included. But voting was already out i have a theory about that she's shown to she wouldn't have gotten in i don't think she would have gotten in um if she hadn't have done that but that brought so much press to the fact that she was nominated that now i guarantee i would bet okay i will bet you i will bet you right now and and let's actually do this i will bet when do the when do the rock hall when do they announce i believe it's may but i'm not betting anything too risky here because uh, I don't I will be bet you for it. paying for the entire dinner at restaurant Gordon Ramsay as opposed to a splitting the check <laughs> that she will that she will get in okay I think she will and if I'm right you pay for dinner if you're gonna say that you don't think she will get in and you're right you're right I pay for dinner I think she'll get in. So who's paying for dinner? <laughs> I guess we're splitting. <laughs> I I I think it's 50-50. I don't know. I, I think she had a very good chance of getting in just because she's first-time nominee and what who she is. But I I don't know. That's where it gets tricky because, you know, I, I get that. But then why hasn't Garth been nominated, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this because I love Dolly, but Garth, I think, has had a bigger influence on rockers from my experience of what people have been talking about. I mean, I don't know how many times Dolly's songs have been covered, but how many times has the Thunder Rolls been covered in the last five, six years? You know, his is a rock show. Hers isn't. But um, not to say that it takes away from anything she does because Dolly's great. She's just had a resurgence lately. And uh, I, I think that's wonderful for her. And uh, I hope we get her on the show at some point. But if if she gets in, I I good for her. You know, if they're going to make it all inclusive and they're going to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that's somebody that should be in there for sure. OK, yeah, that's wow. That's where we went with that. Well, and speaking of entertainer awards. <laughs> Eric Church, Mr. Yeah. Entertainer of the Year. And this is nothing new, if you guys have paid any attention to the news lately, but um, he's made some headlines, not so good headlines, I guess, and he's very fan-oriented. But he asked to um, take some family time to watch his uh, home team, uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, 
take out the Duke Blue Devils in an NCAA Final Four game on uh, April 2nd. That meant he had to cancel his performance in San Antonio that night. And, uh, you know, he gave him about a five-day notice. Fans took to social media, were expressing different sides uh, of this. You know, he, he sent out a statement. He said, this is the most selfish thing I've ever done. I'm asking you to give up, you know, your Saturday night plan so I can have this moment with my family and the sports community. But he does claim, you know, it's a passion felt by people who fill the seats at his shows and wants to be part of that significance. You don't get to turn that back around. Sorry, continue. Well, so I... What I what I'm saying though he he made headlines had mixed reactions from fans and even some artists Jason Aldean and Travis Tritt speaking out but let's give our sides and then we'll kind of go from there go ahead well I'm torn and I am actually torn on this because I look at him as a modern day George Jones mm-hmm. yeah good one in that his music is so good. But his personality has lended itself to some less than fine moments for him. Uh, you know, bad-mouthing Garth when I can draw a parallel line to his style of music and his style of popularity and the way that he takes care of his fans, and I will admit that he takes care of his fans, to what Garth put down before them. Um there have been other instances, you know, he just, he speaks his mind in the same way that I think George Jones does. Nothing did. wrong with that. Does what? Nothing wrong with that, but he does what he wants to do. Now, here's the thing at large, right? Travis Tritt made the point of, I've missed birthdays, funerals, family get-togethers to keep my commitments on road dates. I would never dream of taking a day off to, to do that. And people want to compare, oh, we've all called into work sick or, right. you know, because we wanted to do things and whatever else. Yes, but it's it's not a proper comparison because it's it's not a day of work. It's a, it's a concert. Your job is that you are a recording artist. You go into a studio and you record an album and then you go on the road. And when you go on the road, you make a commitment to be on the road. And yes, he can cancel dates for real emergencies, but the logistics of putting on a show like that is, is, and you have all the people that come in, that travel, that plan vacations, that plan trips. Like us. Around, like us, for Ireland. Uh, you have to take that into consideration. So the question is, uh, because you got to think about it, I, I look at it like this. 20,000 people in that night employed Eric Church. And what happens when you call out sick a lot or you call out sick for what is apparently no legitimate reason? And I'm sorry, it's not a legitimate reason to cancel a concert. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but it's, it's and we might all do it. We might all call in sick to do it. But when we're doing it, we admit, and he admitted, it's not a legitimate reason to cancel a show, but it is once-in-a-lifetime. It's very transparent. So the ball... So the bosses of any company would ask you, if you're going to do that, what is your commitment level to this job? And I think a lot of times the way Eric gets himself in hot water is his commitment level to the job sometimes gets called into question. What I'm amazed at, and this is what I'm really focused on, is that he fucking got away with it. <laughs> He largely got away with yeah. it. Number one, by offering a free show for the ticket holders, the refunded ticket holders. So not only did they get a refund, they get a free Eric Church show. I'm sure he bought himself out of that contract and paid the venue, paid the venue employees, paid his band and crew for the gig. Right. I'm sure going to that game cost a lot more than last minute seats and the private plane ride. I'm sure it cost him probably $2 million because, or a million dollars to to pay out to buy out the venue, buy himself out of that contract, refund everything, uh, and then to go and do a show later on. So he, if you're going to screw over your fans like that, that's the way to screw over your fans. <laughs> Give them a free show after. So I can't really, I can't complain except to say it doesn't show good commitment. You've, you've made a commitment. Sports you can watch on your tour bus before the show, or as you were saying, move the show up uh, and then take the jet out and catch the game because, you know, 
New Orleans is a hop, skip, and a jump from San Antonio by air. So there were other options that could have kept everybody happy. But I'm not going to say he did completely wrong. He just didn't he didn't drop the other shoe until people had started with the backlash. Well, with, with that, it could be that he dropped the other show once they finalized those details. I think he knew he had to call it early enough so people can plan for it, uh, right. to plan not to show up to San Antonio. But they didn't have this one worked out enough to where they could do it. I think he had that in mind the whole time, but never said anything until it was finalized. And I also think that we oftentimes put too much onus on artists, especially if it's out of their control, but even when it's in their control, for the choices we make. Okay, Eric is touring the country three and fourfold with this tour. I don't think he's one of these guys who doesn't stop touring. He just calls it something different every every year right. know, or every two years, right? Or he'll go off the road for six months and then start up again. So he's coming to you whether you like whether you whether you want to travel to see him or not. He'll come to you. So if you made travel plans to go to San Antonio to see him, knowing full well that there's a war going on, weather could happen, he could fall and break an ankle and not have a not have a Foo Fighters throne ready to come out and play. You know, <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuff that could happen that could impact your ability to see the show, whether or not you get to the destination. And we always have to keep that in mind. Listen, to today, just today as we're recording this, I found out that because of the Ukrainian situation, the Ukrainian refugee situation, and Ireland's commitment to taking in some refugees from the war, our hotel is shutting down from the middle of this month to the end of the year to house the refugees. So I had to switch us to a new hotel. Okay, if we get to Ireland and Garth has to cancel his show or we get to Europe and we're in England and we have flights to then over to to Ireland and then to France to finish out our trip and come home. That is on us. We made the decision to do this. It is not on Garth. It is not on anybody. We made the financial decisions and commitments to go on this trip. I do think. A concert of that magnitude, because it's a series of five shows, that they would right. end up calling it sooner than later at that point if the war is going to affect anything. And it's too early to tell. They, they, I don't believe that's in jeopardy at any or anything. But it's not. I'm just using it as an extreme example. Right. You know, we'll still get a European vacation, but blaming Garth, no. You know, we made the choice. You made the choice to travel to see an artist who readily tours all over the country, all over the world. There was no need for you to go to San Diego and that's or or to San Antonio. Talking to myself now. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, is there really a need for us to stick around to see Garth two more times? I mean, that could be there's an argument there. I'm going to defend I'm going to defend this. Okay, it's very clear he wants to do residency after the stadium tour is over. And it's very clear he's looking for excuses to make the stadium tour much more like the arena show. The Friday night show, he said, on Monday, he said was going to have 15,000 people. Yeah. The Friday night show. So it's very clear he's trying to scale back at the end of this once it's over in 22. Whether or not he'll do one-offs uh, in addition to the residency, I don't know. The reason is because, and I explained this to you, and you were like, you're just trying to keep outnumbering me. Well, well, that is part of it, so don't lie. It's not. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reason is, this man, I've said before, I've told him, is the reason I got into entertainment. It's kind of the reason I am where I am today. It's the reason I love a lot of the media that I love, because I was introduced it through to it through his work, and that starts the... You know, the, the, the kind of exploring that you do in music and film and TV as you're a kid. Right. So he really shaped my taste. And a lot of people, you got to understand, a lot of people who are older artists shaped my taste as a kid because my videos were provided to me. What I was able to see, what I was introduced to, was not only provided by my parents, but by my grandparents as well. So a lot of people down in Branson, et cetera, et cetera. By the time I got to see shows in Branson, they weren't as great as they were in the 90s. So to have Garth 
and to have an artist who means that much to me touring at the top of his game now, when that might not be the case five, ten years from now, or even for the next five years, I said I want to take advantage of as much opportunity as I possibly can. Right. A lot of people travel and feel this special connection to him to see the shows. Listen, I feel a special connection to him, the music. I think he's everything a celebrity should be in the way that he lives his life. But do I feel compelled to go to every show? I've been open about the fact that I do not. Mm -hmm. However, when the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to take it. And with three days between when I would have left town and when his shows were, and now two days... It's going to leave Wednesday, and now the first show's Friday. Be stupid. Right. Be stupid to leave. And, and that's, you know? that's why I'm coming, too. But Well, I'm coming to help with the CMT Awards, to help cover that. But it's like, why would I leave Wednesday? I'll just stick around right. and be gone a week, even though that gives me more anxiety. But I'll tell you, a, a new thing that was just confirmed as we're recording this, confirmed today, is um, there's a honky-tonk somewhere, and it's coming to lower Broadway in Nashville. He's got a dive bar, so to speak. No, Matt, I'm not shameless. I said all that. And uh, it's a new entertainment concept and bar. It's going to be at 411 Broadway. It's three stories, 40,000 plus square feet. And it was purchased in December of last year via uh, 411 LLC. So he formed a new company with strategic hospitality that will be... Uh, co-owning it and uh, help execute his vision there's rumors too that um some and we kind of figured this anyway that there will be some space dedicated to trisha that she'll kind of have her own i'm i i can only imagine her dishes will be featured throughout the whole thing not many other details are out there right now it's possible that this thing will be opening sooner than later i know you asked a question that went on uh, studio g monday night about the 5950 hat display that was featured at some of the tour stops and he teased that there could be an entire merchandise store launched on friday the day of the first nashville show eh, i'm just dreaming i'm thinking but who knows so i don't know i guess we're going to find out how that how that goes but uh, that'll be a neat place to visit so, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing at least the retail shop, which he teased on Inside Studio G because of my question. Yeah, that that is cool. And that's in our article, of course, that and Eric and everything else we're talking about uh, that's newsy is available at themusicuniverse.com. So let's talk about the Foo Fighters losing Taylor Hawkins. First of all, I want to say something and then I have a question for you. Okay. I never realized the Foo Fighters were... Legitimate. What I mean by that is, you know, people go solo. Like we saw Colin Hay. God bless him. And he puts out beautiful work. But why do people come? Because they want to hear the men at work stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Why do people go see Roger Hodgson? They want to hear the uh, the the super tramp stuff. Darius Rucker. There's a few Hootie songs that even his most loyal country fans who found him through Hootie. They want to hear because Hootie was never not a country band. He talks about that. So my thing with Foo Fighters is, oh, this is Dave Grohl being able to do Nirvana without Nirvana. And it's not that. And I've learned that no, recently. not at recent all. Weeks. Not at all. Yeah. So, yeah. so my, my question to you is, knowing that Taylor was literally the backbone of this band, are they going to pull a Zeppelin or do you think he'll go on? <sighs> you know, I that... You know, that question's been rummaging through my head as you just hear everything because this is the second death that Dave Grohl has had to deal with in a band and they were close. I mean, if you look at the interviews and you sent me one from Australia that um, they were, he was his right-hand man. I mean, he made him that. And I think he had also had the connection too because they're both you know, really nice guys. And, mm -hmm. and Dave start, start out as a drummer, but he plays everything of course. And then, you know, he'd let Taylor come out and sing a queen song and front the band while he drummed on it and stuff. And, you know, they just had this camaraderie that you don't see a lot of anymore in bands. Mm -hmm. And I think they really, really enjoyed being around each other. That's a tough one, man. I honestly wasn't sure what they were going to do about the Grammys performance. I could have seen it going either way, honoring him and finding somebody else to play or Dave actually playing drums. But I actually thought that was too soon because I don't know how they would have, if they would have been able to keep it together. Right. Um, and it sounds enough. like, and it sounds like just to get into the news on it, it wasn't, 
an addiction overdose. It sounds like prescriptions mixed in ways they shouldn't have. And he died, which is what happened yeah. with Tom Petty, by the way. He had his he died because of medication he was taking postoperatively and they just reacted and there he went. So well, marijuana was involved as mu- as among the ten different substances. Now, I, like I know you're going to say, until we're told what what's going on, we don't know. But and we really don't. But you know, Colombian officials verified marijuana and some other antidepressants and other thing opioids right. and things that I but can't I, pronounce. Were but I will say, was found. doing marijuana in Colombia is like doing hot chicken in Nashville, right? Like it's <laughs> it's just there, you know. And and marijuana has been sort of mainstreamed that, you know, I all and I also would like to think that he wouldn't have smoked pot if he'd have thought it would have mixed negatively with the other things. Fentanyl, I think, was in the system as well. But again, that's a part of some other uh, prescription pills. It isn't just, you know, oh, such and such laced with fentanyl. It, it's part of it well, can be taken it, medically. Right. And yeah, we don't know, but it sounds like it was a binge of stuff. He had gone on a binger. His heart, this is what gets me. I don't know if you heard this, but his heart weighed 600 grams, which translates to 1.3 pounds. That's double the average size of a man his age at 50 years old, which is what he was. Um, And it's just, it's just sad because he had, you know, they were about to wrap up their South American tour. He complained of chest pain, so staff at the uh, hotel in uh, Bogota, uh, where they were staying, had called for emergency personnel, but they found him already gone in his room when they arrived and uh, tried to resuscitate him. The band, uh, from what I understand, had gathered in the lobby, you know, ready to head to the show. He didn't show up. He was late, which was unlike him, and then that's when they apparently discovered what happened. Um, you know, there's always rumors out there. The Daily Mail, I don't know, you know, how true they are with their reporting, but unconfirmed reports of a police officer who entered his suite had found a, quote, cocaine-like white powder with another saying several glasses were found in the room, leading to speculation he had entertained guests before, you know, wanting to perform. So there's no telling what's going on at the time. They said we'd have more details in a week. It's been about that and nothing yet, but that doesn't mean anything. And of course they canceled everything. So I don't know. I I really don't know. Um, You know, it's rather, they toured, you know, it was just the five of them that were the face of it, but they had backup singers. They, they toured with, you know, obviously a large crew and everything. Well, I think, I think what'll happen is that, Dave will do what Eddie Montgomery did. Eddie Montgomery of the of Montgomery Gentry. His name was at the top, but Montgomery Gentry was bigger in the logo. And then over time, it became Eddie Montgomery. And now he just released his first solo album. So Dave might tour as Dave Grohl with the Foo Fighters, you know, mm. or with... I don't think he'll do that. He was the Foo Fighters on their first album. He recorded everything under that moniker and then surprised everyone with like, hey, this is me doing everything. And then he recruited his band from mm-hmm. there. I, I don't I don't think he would do that. I, I think he's going to stick. I'm thinking he'll stick with the Foo Fighters and they'll just have a drummer, uh, Cause, someone cause else. Because he's the kind of person who can't stop. That's the right. thing. Uh, unless and he's this too is nice. too much heartbreak. Unless this is too much heartbreak, two deaths now. Now he's just like, you know what? I've made enough money. I'm going to I'm going to be with my family and I'm, I quit, you know, and I wouldn't blame him for that either. Right. I I think I don't think he's going to do that. I personally see them sitting out the rest of the year, which sucks because they just started touring again heavily. This was a major tour. They had sold out shows, added shows in um, Australia from demand. Um, so they were just the rock band that everyone was attracted to you know they they were selling out everywhere and it sucks for the fans of course it sucks for the band and his family and his young children you know Uh, Mm -hmm. this was an i'm sure it was an accidental overdose i don't know that anybody seeks out to just go and and do that i don't think that he was the type of guy that would do that although i never met him but just their personalities together just seemed like they were happy-go-lucky guys and you just a bad situation turned worse 
So yeah, I don't know. I I see him taking at least the rest of the year off and then reconvening and seeing what how they want to move on. I don't have a doubt they'll move on. I just wonder how they're going to. Well, only time will tell, and I'm sure more news will be uh, coming. And again, this has been a big, big week for a lot of things. We didn't even get to Ticketmaster. We'll get to that on the next one. Maybe we'll do another episode just about that. But we've been on here. We've kept you on with us for another hour-long run of running our mouths. (laughs) So uh, for the Music Universe Podcast, I'm Matt. And, um, buddy, be sure to check us out on socials because we'll be sharing all kinds of stuff live from Nashville next week. And I hope you'll join us uh, for a recap, uh, likely a video episode we're hoping to uh, film somewhere downtown on Broadway uh, with the beautiful Nashville skyline in the background and no telling what else. So we hope you'll uh, tune in for that next week if uh, we're all lucky and we can get that up quick enough. Otherwise, uh, thanks for listening and uh, keep checking us out at themusicuniverse.com and hit subscribe, like, and share at tmupod.com. Take care. (laughs) 